Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord, more than the watchmen wait for the morning, more than the watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to see each and every one of you uh, here today. Uh, When I told my wife that today I was speaking to you on uh, how to stay positive about the future, she laughed. (laughs) And she said, is that really what Jago has asked you to speak on? That's so funny. Um, But in my defense, in my defense, uh, I do love uh, thinking about the future. In In our staff team, we recently did a a survey by the organization Gallup where we rank different people's um, strengths. So there's 34 different strengths um, in uh, ascending, descending order of of what is your top strength. And actually, would you believe, my my top strength is futuristic. And uh, who knows what that means? I don't own a hoverboard, uh, but I do love thinking about the future. How about you? How about you? Only 15%, one five, Uh, 15% of of teens in the UK feel optimistic about the future. Only 27% of millennials feel optimistic about the future. And alarmingly, these stats are even worse than the global average. But it's not that surprising when you think about it. Now, our society uh, is placing its hope in the younger generations to sort out the mess. And the world is placing its hope in younger people. But when the odds are stacked against you, when the opportunities don't seem to be there, when house prices are through the roof, the weight of the world can feel like it's on your shoulders. And it's making people feel anxious and trapped. And in many ways, um, the world is in a, a tricky place right now. The year ahead feels precarious. So if you were a newspaper editor, and the headlines are shocking right now, but if you were a newspaper editor, imagine, in Australia, and uh, you're battling the headlines, what would you put in the weekend magazine as people uh, sip their extra hot flat whites and uh, tuck into their smashed avocado overlooking Manly Beach following a Saturday morning surf? Well, just last month in December, the, the literary critic Peter Craven wrote this in the Weekend Australian. If ever there were poems for troubling times, they are the Psalms. These poems are written in Hebrew, some nine centuries before the birth of Christ and attributed to King David. But in fact, they're a collective effort on the part of the Jewish people to make sense of the exaltations and desolations of the world. They are fundamental to whatever culture we have, regardless of whatever religion we might come out from under, Jewish or Christian or any other. And the title of this article The Psalms capture humanity in all its splendor and horror. 
And this particular psalm that we're looking at this morning, Psalm 130 out of, psalm, uh, out of 150 psalms, is one of the psalms that's traditionally recited in times of communal distress, in times of communal distress. And we right now are in a time of communal distress, a time of communal distress, a time of individual stress, where the stresses and strains of life are, are bearing down on us. If ever there were poems written for troubling times, they're the Psalms. This Psalm in particular is a really good Psalm to go to. What does this Psalm have to teach you and me about staying positive? At the start of the Psalm, you'll see there in the notes, it says that it's a Psalm or a song of ascent, of ascent, of going up the mountain, of going up the hill. And uh, you're climbing a mountain, aren't you? You've got your future ahead of you. And maybe the, the hill in front of you looks like this. Or maybe the hill looks like this. The people in this psalm, they're on their way up to the temple, up to that place where their, feel, their fears are stilled and they're revived and they're refreshed. So on our way up this year, as we head up the mountain of 2024, I have three words, three words to help you stay positive about the future. Just three words. They're very easy to remember, very simple. But if you use these three words, they will transform your life. They will transform your future. They will also transform your outlook on your future too. And the first is this. The first word is help. Help. I love this uh, from Charlie Mackesy. What's the bravest thing you've ever said, asked the boy. Help, said the horse. In other words, uh, staying positive about the future is not a, about uh, escaping the present. You might think that staying positive about the future is escaping to a sun lounge somewhere, to a warmer climate, to a different climate, to a better climate, different conditions. But then there's always the flight home, isn't there? You and I, we've got to face reality. It's not very British, is it, to, to admit that you need help. But I think of the, the, the brave people that go on 12-step programs to be freed from addictions, to be freed from those things. And there's no doubt many people here today. How do they step into their future? How do they build their future as a positive one? Step one, the first step they take is admitting that you are powerless over your addiction and that your life has become unmanageable. This is not self-help. This is not the power of positive thinking. Life is much more messy, much more complicated than that. It's not as neat as that. This is a cry. It's a cry for help. How does the psalmist begin our psalm today? Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Hear my voice. Out of the depths. Deep in paperwork. Deep in laundry. Deep in trouble. Deep in doo-doo. This is not someone up the mountain. This is someone in the, in the depths. They're deep in the valley. They're in the valley. What is it that you need help with right now? Are you unable to see the horizon ahead of you in the way that you would like to? But when the psalmist also says in the depths, it's also like, like the depths of your soul. This is not a, 
a take it or leave it request for help. It's a cry, it's a cry for help. He cries again in verse two, let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. I have two um, young children and can I assure you, you hear a cry. You notice a cry. And for those little ones, a cry, it, it takes up their whole being, their whole body, their whole being is involved. I think of uh, John Lennon, John Lennon who famously wrote the song Help, uh, which is known for being upbeat and catchy. But during an interview with Playboy magazine in 1980, shortly before he died, he said this, the whole Beatles thing was just beyond comprehension. I was subconsciously crying out for help. That cry for help, that cry for help that we have, whether it's conscious or subconscious. The Bible tells us that there is a positive future for the helpless and for the hopeless. But God, he wants to help you. So help, that's the first word. And the second word is thanks, thanks. And these two words actually go together, help and thanks. They're like bread and butter, a curry and rice, ant and deck. Help and thanks go together. Because before we, before we get positive about the future, we need, to, we need to face the present and we need to deal with the past, not to drag the past into our futures. Because the help that we need, the help that we need is ultimately a cry for mercy, the psalmist writes. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? Sounds a lot like cancel culture today, doesn't it? A record of sins. And you and I, we can live in fear of that, that our, our past will catch up with our future. But it doesn't have to be like that. Because the psalmist goes on, but, but with you, God, with you there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. God's help, God's help can make you and me say thanks. And not just thanks with our words, not just thanks with our lips, but thanks with our whole lives, with our whole being. Because God, he gives you a, a purpose and a meaning and a hope for your future. Where your, your horizons open up, and know that you are forgiven and so that you and I, we can step into the future free. And this is for us as individual people, but it's also for us on a wider level too. Down in verse seven, it says that with God is full redemption and we long to see justice. Our world is crying out for justice. It's crying out for that in so many ways. We've seen that this week with the post office scandal for full justice, for full redemption. Everyone wants a shot at redemption. In 2016, a couple of guys in London called Ted and Max set up a redemption roasters. And Redemption Roses is not just an edgy name, a slick a brand for a cafe. These guys, they were approached by the Ministry of Justice about setting up a coffee roastery in a prison to train residents to re reduce reoffending rates. 
This is redemption. This is the kind of redemption that we want to smell in the morning with our coffee. Not half full, but full fat redemption. Redemption of everything and everyone. Systems redeemed. Everything redeemed. But that starts, that starts with you and me. That's why we say thanks. It's why help and thanks are a duo. It's firstly, God, help me. Help me with my sin. And thank you. Thank you for forgiving me. That is how, that is how we, you and I, we step boldly and confidently into the future, knowing that we are forgiven, knowing that we are loved. But then, of course, there's always the people out there who think, could that really include me? Could that really involve me? You don't know what I've done. In verse eight, we read, he himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. All their sins. Big, small, hidden, revealed. All their sins. Whatever your sins, whatever your regrets, whatever your mistakes, we read in the Bible that Jesus, he ascended a hill. He ascended a hill to a cross to redeem you and me from all our sins. Have you ever taken the time to properly thank God for what he has done for you? We know that an attitude of gratitude is a surefire way to feel positive about future. Which brings me to our third word. Wow, wow. That's what you say when you get to the top of a mountain, don't you? So we've got help, thanks, and wow. Help, thanks, and wow. When you think about staying positive about the future, when you think about hope, hope is like um, taking your set of keys. And if you put your keys in the wrong place, you lose your keys. And it's the same with our hope. If we place our hope in the wrong place, we lose them. And perhaps you're, you're hanging everything about your future on a relationship or a job or something else, maybe a politician to put things right. And we can lose these things so easily, these things that we're told to put our hope in. And it can make us feel cynical and bitter about the world and bitter about the future ahead of us. But it is possible. It is possible to say wow with our lives. And wow being that place where our horizons do open up. If you think about a, a camera person working on, say, a David Attenborough documentary, patiently awaiting for that wow moment when the obscure creature appears and they can um, film that animal. That's the sense that we get here with the psalmist. That's the sense that we get when he writes, I wait for the Lord. I wait for the Lord. My, my whole being waits. When was the last time you gave something or someone your whole being, all of who you are. So easy to be distracted in our world today with our phones being the extension of our arms. But the psalmist says to bring your whole being before God. Bring your whole being. And he has gone to the temple. He's gone up the mountain to the temple to worship him to that wow moment. And that's what we're doing before when we're singing. 
is saying wow before God, that place of wonder, that place of wonder that drives out cynicism. He says, in his word, I put my hope. So don't, don't throw your hope out there like a fishing rod. Hope that it lands on something. Hope is attached to something. We read that hope is attached to God's word, God's word, the Bible, which points us to Jesus. That Jesus, he has climbed the hill. He has ascended the hill that you and I can't. He died and then he rose again. He ascended again. That ultimate wow moment. That Jesus, he has done that for us. Now you and I can have a relationship with Almighty God. That is the thing that makes us go wow. So don't lose your set of keys. Think about what Steph shared before and all that she experienced on Alpha and how that unlocked and opened up so much for her. Just like the psalmist says, to, to, to put your keys, to put your hope somewhere secure. He says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption. All the things that you and I are hoping for, for our future. Those things on the surface, those things just beneath the surface. Those things that we're hoping for and those things that we feel like we've lost hope for. Out of the depths, much deeper down, out of the depths, each one of us wants to know that we're loved. That we're loved unconditionally, wholeheartedly, and continually, that we're loved perfectly and that we're loved despite all the ways in which we mess up our lives and the ways in which we mess up our world. A love that will not let us go, a love that we read here is unfailing, a love that is eternal. It's how do you and I stay positive about the future? We say help. God, would you help me with my sin? Thanks, Jesus, thank you for what you've done for me. And wow, Jesus, I can hope in you and your love will never let me go. The best is yet to come. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you like to stand?